I want to jump into the scripture here real quick. It'll be in your outline and up on the screen. It'll be Acts 12, verses 6 through 8. And Peter was in prison and sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up and said, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals, and so he did. Then he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. This morning we're continuing the series that we've entitled Journey to Freedom. We all understand that varying different things and maybe at different levels, but we all have addictions, habits, hangups, things that we need help with, things that sometimes make our life seem like imprisonment because it seems like sometimes we're bound to keep making the same mistakes, bound by some of the similar sins that control our lives at times. In this scripture, I think we find comfort because when Peter was commanded to stand, that's when the chains fell off. Peter didn't break them off himself, but he stood and he followed the angel. And had he not done that, had he not taken a stand and, and followed, maybe he would have been stuck in prison for a while. This means that we bear some weight of responsibility in the pursuit of our own freedom. That we too are called to stand just like Peter. But the question is, what does that look like? When we're looking about what is our responsibility for freedom, what's our part? What is our role? To me, this scripture illuminates something that is very good news to us. Is that God doesn't expect for us to deal with our problems alone. That God wants to not work instead or in spite of us, but in and through our lives. Now, Steph, my wife, is, is really good about inviting Malin to do things with her. And one of the things that they do a lot together is that they bake. And I'm very thankful for this as a husband because I love to eat, right? And so they'll get into the kitchen and they, they'll start baking. Can, let, let's get honest for a second, okay? When she asks Malin to help out, it does not go quicker. It maybe is a little bit messier, and maybe some mistakes are made from, from time to time. But that's the point. Stephanie doesn't just want to teach Malin, but Stephanie wants to spend time with her. And that's what, that's what it's all about. It's all about spending time together. See, God has this same layout for us. Now, obviously, there's, there's things that, that Stephanie doesn't expect Malin to do. She didn't expect her to know the recipe or, or to take super hot things out of the oven. And the same is true with us. God doesn't expect us to be responsible for, for breaking our own chains or, or doing some of these things, but he wants for us to be a part of it. And I think that it's cool that, that God wants to work with us. There are certain aspects of freedom that are our responsibility, but there's also aspects that aren't ours. And I think that it's really, really important for us to know the difference between the two. And so if you have your sermon outline and, and you, you love filling in the blanks, or maybe you just want to doodle to, uh, to pass the time, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's go for it. Now, the first one here is these are things that are not our responsibility. The first one is it's not our job to earn freedom. 
Whether you're Peter and you've been in prison for doing the right thing, or if you're the thief on the cross next to Jesus, it doesn't matter. It's not your job to earn salvation. It's not your job to earn grace or favor. It's not your job to worry about whether or not you are worthy enough to be saved. Salvation is a free gift from God. It's not like Santa Claus at, free, at Christmas where you're like, sorry, bro, you're on the naughty list. You're not getting anything this year. No, that's, God doesn't operate that way. It's about who God is. It's about his character. It's about his love for us. It's not our job to earn salvation. The next piece is that it's not our job to break the chains. God isn't expecting us to be Houdini. It's, it's not our job to free ourselves. Here in the scripture, we see that it wasn't until Peter stood. Peter listened. He stood, and that's when the chains fell off. He didn't break out. God broke in. When Jesus cleanses the temple in scripture, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that he doesn't get to this place where he's like, okay, disciples, I need you to go. I see what's going on in there. They've made a mess of things. I need you to go in there and clean it up, and then it'll be worthy for me to go in. Jesus doesn't operate that way. He doesn't expect for us to get our lives right and then come to him. That's why he sent Jesus, because we couldn't do it on our own. We had no power to break chains. That's Jesus' job. Only he has the power to break the chains that bind us. It's, It's not our job. Next piece is open doors. You know, there's this, if you keep reading in the scripture that we read, there's, a, there's this place where they're on their way out. Peter's following the angel, and there's this iron gate. And the scripture, the scripture says the iron gate just opened of its own accord. I don't know if you guys have experienced iron gates before, but I don't know that I've ever seen one just open of its own accord. I mean, I know nowadays we got like electronic things, and they just do it on their own. But we, this is Bible times, okay? It was God that opened this door. And I think that our journey of freedom often comes with doors. It comes with barriers and and setbacks and sometimes doors that need to be shut, sometimes doors that need to be opened. Maybe it's a relationship or or a job or or a divine encounter or maybe just some circumstances in your life that need to be changed or or maybe you need a wake-up call. There are so many things that are completely out of our control, but guess what? It's not our job to be in control. It's to trust God, to to know what he's doing, to be patient and and to know and trust that the right doors are going to open at the right time. Then that leaves us with this question of what is our responsibility? What is our part? And I think if we're going to follow Peter, our responsibility is to take a stand. So the question is, what are we learning from that? What does it mean to take a stand? And I think there's a few lessons that we learn by taking a stand. And I want to go through those with you this morning. And so if you're following along, this is our first major uh, fill-in. It isn't strength that breaks chains. It's trust and obedience. It isn't strength that breaks chains. It's trust and obedience. So my mom calls me and she says, okay, it's, it's Malin's birthday what, what should I get her? And I don't know if you've been faced with that question before. I don't know, Mom. We thought about it and was like, well, you know, Malin sees me taking pictures all the time. And as much as I love my daughter, giving her my $2,000 camera doesn't really seem like a great idea to me. So I was like, you know what? What, what if you got her a camera? And so she looked and she found this cute little pink underwater camera, right? And so it's her birthday, and she opens it up, and she gets to the box, and I see the box, and I see those dreaded words, batteries not included. 
And I don't know if I'm just lazy or whatnot. So then I'm searching the house, right? I'm, I'm finding remotes, taking batteries out of remotes. Just finding, I mean, it's your birthday. I mean, you want to use your, your gift when you open it, right? And so we, we, we find batteries. And then finally I get to this camera and it's got, you guys will understand this. It's got one of those screws that prevents you from getting to the battery thing. And it's got, a, you know, the screwdriver that nobody on this planet owns. Uh, so I finally finagle it open. We get, we get the batteries in there, and it turns on, and she's taking pictures, and she's having fun. About 20 minutes, the batteries are shot. I'm like, I just put batteries in there. So I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just because I janked some batteries from somewhere else. Maybe they're already almost dead. So I went to the store, got some new batteries, put them in there. 20 minutes later, dead. And at this point, I'm just frustrated, Right? I'm frustrated. She's frustrated. She wants to play with her new toy. It doesn't stay on for very long, right? We're all frustrated. Sometimes I wonder if we, we get in life like that, we start to get frustrated because we think that power is our responsibility. But our batteries don't last. Frustrated because we don't have the strength to break the chains on our own. Frustrated because even though we don't have the strength to do it, we're still trying. And I'm not really sure why. But look at what the scripture says. Peter didn't hulk up. He doesn't ex- he didn't escape by his own craftiness. Look at what it says. It says he obeyed. And when he obeyed and he stood up, that's when they fell off. But why did he obey? He obeyed because he trusted God. And he had every reason to trust God. God had always seen him through. He had tasted and he'd seen for himself that God was good, that he was worthy of his trust. Psalm 34, 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So we're going to leave in a month or so and move to Indiana. And there's one thing that I'm going to miss more than anything else. It's a restaurant called City Bites. And maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, well, well, that's real strange. I mean, their sandwiches are good, but they're not that good. No, no, no. I'm going to miss it because of the cookie. See, I heard you say it. You know. There is a cookie at City Bites called the Sooner Doodle. It's a large snickerdoodle cookie that is covered, not just any icing, cream cheese icing. It is one of the most amazing experiences your taste buds can ever have. And it's interesting, I went at some point in college and I tried this cookie, right? And I kept going back. You know why I kept going back? Because every time I went to City Bites, this cookie never once disappointed me. Now, some of you are here today and you know what I'm talking about because you've had a City Bites cookie. And there's some of you that are sitting here today and for some reason you ain't ever had a City Bites cookie and I just feel bad for you. I'm sorry. I come back to the scripture. Don't take my word for it. It's like, man, these cookies must be good. Go go taste them for yourself. I've tasted and I've seen, and that's why I keep going back, even though I probably shouldn't. This is Peter's testimony. His obedience came from a place of trust because he had tasted and seen that the Lord was good. He had no reason to doubt God because God had never disappointed him before. There's a story in Joshua I mean, these people, the Israelites have spent 40 years in the desert, folks, okay? And they're finally getting out. They're going to the promised land. And on their way, they hit a barrier. There's a river. It's like, how are we supposed to pass this river? Ain't no bridge. What are we supposed to do? 
And so they commune with God, and God says, listen, you send 12 people in there with the Ark of the Covenant, and I will part the waters. This is what happens in Joshua. Today you will know that I, the living God, am among you. Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, each one from each tribe. The priests have them carry the Ark of the Lord, of all, the Lord of all the earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. The Israelites trusted God enough to obey. And when they obeyed, that's when God showed up. And these were people who trusted, who learned to trust because they obeyed, but then they became people who obeyed because they trusted. That's what needs to happen to us. Trust and obey is this, this thing that they build off one another. And it's a good thing that they did because as soon as they crossed the river, then they hit Jericho and they're like, oh, we got to beat this city with these walls? And God says, don't worry, I got a plan. Instead of fighting, you're going to walk around and blow trumpets. And they're like, okay, God. But they trusted him. Why? But they had reason to. Because they had tasted and seen. That's my question for you this morning. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? What is God's plan for you? We talk about standing and, and our responsibility, but what might he be asking you to do? How might God be convicting you over this week? How might, be, how might he be leading you to find freedom? And maybe he's asking you to find some accountability in your life. Maybe he wants you to find a really good rhythm in reading the word. Maybe he's calling you to serve his people, serve the church, serve the community. Maybe like me, you need to seek professional counseling. It's something we all need. There's no shame in it. Or maybe it's an opportunity like our church is starting. Celebrate recovery. It's like you don't even have to go to another church. You can come here where you're comfortable. What might God be leading you to? Here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. How bad do we want to be free? And are we willing to listen, to obey, so that we can learn to trust? Let me give you another one. A step towards God is also a step away from your chains. Now, this may be outrageously simple, but it's really profound. You cannot be free while in prison. Freedom requires for us to get out of prison. It's not a place where you can grow and thrive. And it's important for us to understand what happens when Peter stands up and the angel tells him to follow. When he takes that first step, he's doing two really important things. He's not just taking a step towards God. He's taking a step away from his chains. 2 Timothy 2, 22. Run away from youthful desires. Run away. These chains, these temptations, these, these sins. Don't live around them. Get away from them. Run from them. Instead, what is it? It says, direct your passion Chasing after righteousness, faithfulness, love, peace. Instead, look towards God. Focus on God. Follow God. What things in your life, what people, what habits, what addictions in your life do you need to take a step away from? You know, after Peter stands up, the angel says, listen, get dressed, man. It's time to go. Get your, get your prison clothes off. Let's get out of here. But ultimately, it was Peter's decision. Does he stay or does he go? There's another person in scripture that was given this, this same opportunity. Lazarus was called out of the grave by Jesus Christ. He called him out of his death, called him out of the tomb. And even though that Jesus was, 
was given the power to, to, to wake up Lazarus. And Lazarus received new life, but it was Lazarus' choice of whether or not to stay in that tomb or to walk out. Lazarus' life wasn't in that tomb. He couldn't experience the freedom from death while living inside a grave. And his testimony could have never had impact if no one sees him walk out, if he just stays where he was. To me, both of these stories communicate something super, super important, is that our position matters. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, are we putting ourselves into a position where we're ready to hear and respond the call of Jesus? I know that, that we're church people and we love to do church things and we love to read our Bible and we love to pray, we love to come to church, but have you ever thought about whether or not you're in a good position to get those things done? And sometimes I wonder if God's just like, listen, if you're just doing this because you think you should, then don't. Where is your heart? When you go to read the word of God, when you go to pray, when you come to walk into this building, do you ever give time to think about where your heart is? Do you ever give time to think about what, what position am I in? Am I ready to hear from God? And how, how do I get myself there? Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So I've had the privilege as a pastor of walking through uh, surgery with quite a few people. I've never done, I've never had to do surgery myself, praise the Lord. But I've, I've had to go and be in the hospital with people and pray with them before they go into surgery. And like, uh, because of that, I understand that surgery is like, an intense thing. Like, it's not just something. You just don't walk in off the street and say, hey, I'm here for surgery. It's not how it works. You meet with a doctor. The doctor figures out what type of surgery you're supposed to have. And then they, they have appointments that you get up getting you ready for it. And then the night before, there's things you got to do. Unfortunately, you got to quit eating, right? You got to get on their fancy little hospital gown. Sometimes you got a little shower cap. You got you to get yourself ready the anesthesia comes out and, and they, they make sure that everything's copacetic. And sometimes like if you're having knee surgery, they'll mark the knee to make sure you're getting the right knee because Lord knows you, <laughs> you don't want to have surgery on the wrong knee, right? This, this whole detailed process of preparing yourself because you're going to have something done that's going to make you healthier. And I just started thinking about that, like, why don't we do that spiritually as well? Why don't we take it just as serious, the, the surgeries that need to happen in our heart and, and pre like preparing for those, getting ready for those? Are, are, we, are we taking the time to ready ourselves? Are we allowing God in so that he can deal with some of the things that he needs to deal with? How many of us are thinking about where we are mentally and emotionally before we go to church, read the Bible, pray, worship. And let me, I just want to be clear. I, I don't, in any stretch of the imagination, try to think that you need to fix yourself. But it is our job to respond. Jesus brings us back to life, but we got to walk out of that tomb. We've got to let him in. Are you ready to walk out of your own tomb and into his marvelous light? You know, this, this week was uh, a touch stressful for me. Uh, I've already started getting in on staff meetings at the church that I'm headed to. 
I have my responsibilities here trying to prepare for, for me being gone and, and, and what that looks like. And Steph and I, we've just had, some, it's just been crazy. New news, crazy news, just my mind's been all over the place. And then Sunday, I mean, Monday, I'm sitting down and I got I to work out the sermon outline for this week. And I tried to sit down and I don't know if you guys have had this happen, but it's like, there's nothing coming. I'm just, I wasn't in a good position. So I, I stopped and I went to the room and I turned on some worship music and I got on my knees and I, I just sat in silence for a while. And then I cried a little. Then I sang a little, but not too loud because I didn't want anybody to hear it. It's not too good, but then God didn't care, right? And I prayed a little. And when I was done and I stood up, I was ready. We have to find ways just like that. You've got to find ways that work for you, ways in which we can recenter and remember who God is and let him into our heart and start doing surgery on the things that need to change. There's one, there's one way I think is really cool. One of the things that I think we can use a strategy to help us with this. And when I was in high school, I worked at Sam's Club. And because I worked at Sam's Club, everybody that I worked with chewed tobacco. And we got real great discounts on, on chewing tobacco. And so just naturally, I started chewing tobacco myself. And so some some point in college, I just got, Lord convicted my heart. I needed to quit doing it. And so I handed, you know, my tobacco to my roommate and said, man, you got to help me quit this. And I, I'd do okay. And then I'd go to the store and I'd see it and I'd be like, oh, I really, really want it. So I'd buy it and I'd do it once and then I'd feel guilty and I'd give it to my roommate and I was just wasting money. Uh, I'm still, oh, it still hurts me. Uh, and so I, I got to this point where I was like, man, I, I've got to figure out a way to, to just help me. And so I found a way that really, really did help me is that I replaced a bad habit with a good habit, right? So instead of chewing tobacco, every time I craved it, I'd go and buy sunflower seeds and I'd just eat sunflower seeds instead of chewing tobacco. And then I just got to a point where it just wasn't as strong as an urge anymore. And I got to a point where the Lord really helped my heart and, and freed me from it. And I just thought about that idea and what it might look like if we learned to do the same thing in our lives. That when we're tempted to take a step back, that, that we're reminded to go forward instead. What if we could slowly replace some of our bad habits with good ones? What if every time that you're tempted to gossip, you decided to give a compliment? Or maybe every time that you do gossip, you say, you know what, that's not how I want to be, and you take time to send an encouraging text to somebody. What if every time you find yourself binge-watching TV, and you're like, man, I've been here too long. What if I paused it and read a little Bible instead? What if every time you gamble, you thought, you know what, instead of this, I'm going to donate to charity. What if every time you get depressed, you say, you know what, I'm going to call up a friend and say, hey, can you go on a walk? What if we took the time to get creative with how we can position ourselves in a way where we can take a step away from our chains and a step closer to God? What if we let our sin and temptation be reminders to stand up, to push us into a better position, to help us take a step towards God where he can be the one that deals with our chains? Let me give you one more. When standing gets weary, lean on hope. When standing gets weary, lean on hope. 
Now, when I was in college, I was not concerned about what I ate at all. And I was active enough that it really didn't matter. I was playing basketball a ton. Uh, I don't know why. If you don't have a job while you're in college, you've got all kinds of time. I spent most of my time at the gym. I was active, so I didn't really care. But now, I got a job, and I'm a husband, and I'm a father. And it's, it's hard to find time to be as active as I used to be. And so I'm starting to get to a point where I'm noticing that my diet affects me a whole lot more. Uh, just my mentality, my attitude, you know, all these things. And I, I, keep, I keep saying to myself, man, I need, I need to eat healthier. I, I want to eat healthier. And I find myself eating the same as I always have. I think part of it is, is that, like, what does it mean to eat healthy? Like, really? I mean, you talk to six different people and you get six different answers. I mean, you, you listen to one doctor, he says, oh, carrots are really good for you. And then you listen to another, he says, oh, man, those are bad for you. What, what, what am I supposed to eat on this planet to be healthy, right? And I think that the other part is hard because I really like food. I really like City Bites cookies. <laughs> but I think for a lot of us, this describes our spiritual life. The difference between what we desire to do and what we actually do. What psychology calls this action behavioral gap. In Romans 7, I think Paul describes this struggle, this struggle perfectly. I mean, it's like the, the epitome of what it means to be human. He says, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do. And I think it's safe to say that all of us in this room, we've, we've been there. We get it. We understand, we understand this struggle. The question is, how do we scale this behavioral gap? And to me, is is simple and maybe even seems silly, but to me, the answer is hope. Hope being the foundation of faith. Hope being really believing that you can be different. Really believing that you can change. So many of us are chained and bound by nasty cycles of negative self-talk. And the problem with negative self-talk is not what you're saying to yourself, but what you begin to believe about yourself. And if you believe that you cannot change, if you just accept yourself the way that you are with no hope of growth, you're creating a world where God doesn't even exist. And as long as you stay there, you're going to be imprisoned by your past mistakes and failures. I want you to say something with me. God is able. Say it out loud. God is able. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Isaiah 40, 31 says this. But they will wait upon the Lord, and the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run, and they will not be weary. They will walk and shall not faint. Other translations say those who hope on the Lord. Those who find their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll begin to believe. And when you, get, when you start to believe, it changes the way you approach everything. Why? Because those who hope in the Lord don't get discouraged. They renew their energy. They keep going. Don't stop believing. You might be a small town girl living in a lonely world, but don't <laughs> stop believing. It's not, it's not just believing in yourself, but it's believing what God is capable of doing in you. There's scripture that, that all of us are really familiar with, the David and Goliath. We, most of we know this story. 
There's a big dude that nobody can beat, and there's just a small young boy that comes with a slingshot. And I love that there's this piece in Scripture where they're just talking trash to each other. You know, Goliath's like, who's this, who's this little boy here that you send to defeat me and my might? It's like, I'm, I'm going to eat you. And then David's like, okay, whatever, dude. In 10 seconds, your head's going to be on the floor, and we'll see who wins. Like, they're just, they're just gnawing at each other, right? They're talking trash. But who wins? You guys know David wins. Why does David win? Because he wasn't confident in himself. He was confident in God, right? They were both confident but only one won. Why? The one who won was the one who was confident in God. So my question for you this morning is, who is your confidence in? Your addictions, your habits, your hangups, guess what? They don't own you. You're not a slave to them. They don't master you. God masters them. Satan is a roaring lion, but guess what? He's a lion at the zoo. He can roar and he can lie and he can intimidate like he's winning. But guess what? He's been defeated. But guess what? You're not the one that defeated him. Jesus Christ did it on a cross for you. So when Satan reminds you of your sin, remind him of his future. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard because Satan's a really good liar. And he can be really convincing if you haven't figured that out already. And that's why I think it's so important that we keep hope in front of us, living intentionally, finding ways to keep hope in front of us, taking time to strategize and how do we stay connected to hope, finding spiritual practices that, that anchor our heart to Jesus, finding ways to always be redirecting our eyes back to the cross making goals and plans and making time to, to keep hope close. And when those goals don't pan out, making new goals, keep pushing forward. Why? Because those who have hope keep pushing forward. They keep believing. Maybe you need to surround yourself with people who can speak into your life, people that can comfort you in times of heartache, people that can call you out in times of stupidity. Maybe it's about committing yourself to prayer. I was convicted this week thinking about this. You know, Scripture calls us the new temple. It says your body is the temple. You were bought with a price, right? We are the temple. And when Jesus went to cleanse the temple, what did he say? He's mad because he said, this is my father's house. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. When I put those two things together, what do we get? We're supposed to be tiny little houses of prayer. We're supposed to be people that pray earnestly, that go to God. Do you know what prayer does? It reminds you of who God is and who you're not. Prayer connects you to hope. Prayer keeps hope in front of you because you know that I don't have to face this alone, that there's somebody out there who's all-powerful and all-loving that's got my back. We've always got to be reevaluating, refocusing, listening, keep believing, keep seeking, trusting obeying. If we want to be free, we got to figure out what our part is. What does it look like for you to stand today? I want to pray for us. I think my prayer for us today, and, and maybe, maybe you're there with me too, is that you need the strength to stand. I'm sure for Peter, it would have been real easy to just stay there chained 
You know, there's two guards next to him. Maybe it was cold in there. He's like, man, I'm kind of warm and cozy in this little hole right here. And I think that some of us get that way with our sin. Some of it's the belief that we, we can't escape. There's no hope here. So I don't, I don't know where you are. Maybe you've lost sight of hope. Maybe you're just too timid to try. Maybe because you think that it's your responsibility to break your chains. It's not. It's not your job. Jesus says, listen, obey, follow me, taste and see for yourself. Don't let anybody else tell you about God. Don't let anybody else tell you about me. Come experience me for yourself. And maybe that's where you are today. Let me pray over us. Father God, thank you so much for your word and your truth and your power. Thank you, Father God, that you want to work with us and not in spite of us. That you want us to be a part of your plan and your mission because you don't want to to change us for us. You want us to be a part of that so at the end of the day, we can stand up and say, "Look, look at what we've done together. So that we can have pride, not pride in ourselves, but pride in who our God is and what he's capable of. Confident, not in ourselves, but confident in who you are. And may we stay connected to hope. Lord, all of us in this building, all of us in this world, we sin and we fall short. We all have things that honestly, we'd rather not talk about. Honestly, we'd rather not think about. But if this is not a place where we can just get real and honest for a moment, even within our hearts, Father God, just give us strength to stand. To say, you know what? Man, Jesus is right. I've got to be stuck here. This This is not where I'm supposed to be bound forever. Help us to see what our part is. And it's different for yours what our responsibility is and give us the strength and courage to stand and to follow you. We love you. We praise you. In your holy name, amen. 